Amen. Psalm 137, verse number one. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, I'll find something to ramble about. Praise God. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive, they required of us a song. They required of us a song. This is powerful. And they that wasted us, that mocked us, that beat us down, so to speak. They required of us mirth and said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song? Everybody say the Lord's song. song. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, in a strange land? How shall we do it? I'm going to preach to this church today if God will help me. My song belongs to him. My song belongs to him. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Now, I'm just going to warn you from the get-go today, some of the things that I'm going to say in this morning service, you're going to be encouraged before you leave. Some of the things that I'm going to say, you're going to have to have on your, your, your big boy britches to handle it because uh, the enemy has done everything he can to make us soft. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? This age that we live in says if I don't like it, I'll cancel it. If I don't like it, I'll get rid of it. If it's contrary to me, I'll get rid of it. Uh, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading a book um, that I, w- I would recommend if, if somebody's just in, in a reading mood. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind. The Coddling of the American Mind. Where everything that we're facing right now, we see it, it didn't happen overnight. It's a, it is a culmination of many, many things. People canceling everything. And so um, I, 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 I got in, into the very opening of this book. And I knew we were going to be friends before I ever started the introduction. On like the page where they're, 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 they're giving uh, accolades to their wives and whoever, you know, help me write this. There was this quote on there that said that uh, they don't even know where, the, where it came from. That they don't know who the author is, but it's an old, uh, an old saying, so to speak. It said, prepare your child for the road, not the road for your child. That's the best preaching I'm going to do all day, right there. Prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. Is that powerful? I, uh, I've been following very closely, and uh, I, I showed somebody this week how this works. If, you, if you're watching on uh, Facebook, and you turn the volume all the way down, 
within just seconds of what I'm saying to you, it's automatically transcribed. Uh, you can see it's all transcribed. So I try to be very careful how I say things because I don't want them deleting portions of, of audio from what we're saying. But I've been following very closely a case north of the border, uh, a man from the western part, and uh, he has been arrested for uh, having services, and uh, as a matter of fact, there was a cease and desist order that was given, and uh, the best that I understand um, that, that I can find is that his daughter wanted to be baptized, and so they, uh, they had told him to cease and desist, and his daughter wanted to be baptized, and so uh, he went to their church and unlocked the door and went in to baptize his daughter, and that, that broke the rule. He was supposed to be in the church, and so uh, he left the country and came down here. And uh, I was, Bishop and I just last week were with the pastor that he was with before he left. And um, he went back across the border, and when his plane landed, they were waiting on the tarmac put him in handcuffs and told him he was going to be locked up for six years uh, because he baptized his daughter against the cease and desist order. Now, for those of you that think this is like forever away, that this is not going to happen, they've tried to do the same thing in the U.S. They've tried to do the same thing in the U.S. And so here was the deal that was given. Here was the deal that was given. Uh, we don't want to make you a martyr because that's what you want to be. So we're not going to put you in prison and give you time right now. That's coming. But they said, we don't, we don't want it because the eyes of the, the public are on you. This is what they said. Uh, I can read it to you. Uh, they said, we're not going to make you martyr. We were going to leave you in for 21 days until a trial. But we're not going to do that because we don't want you to, to be a martyr in the eyes of people. And they said, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to release you and we know that what you believe is contrary to what we're saying And so in the in the court decision and I read it to bishop before church I won't read uh, I won't read the whole thing to you, but in his final probation order They said this is what you will do if you speak publicly about your beliefs you will also include and I quote I am also aware that the views I am expressing to you on this occasion may not be the views held by the majority of the medical experts in Alberta. And then it continues on down that most medical experts believe, most our government believes, and they gave him a quote. If you're going to say what you believe, then you have to say what we believe. Why are you, why, why are you doing this on Sunday morning, Pastor? Because this is... Absolutely 100% the spirit of the age. If they cannot silence you, then they want you to at least give their opinion too. Well, I'm standing on Sunday morning to tell you my song belongs to him. feel like the enemy would love to make us believe that we are the underdog he would love to make us believe that we are the minority he would love to make us believe that we are the losers but today I've already read the end of the story and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I am the head 
I am not the tail. I am the winner. I am not the loser. I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror. Somebody needs to let the devil know today, you cannot silence my voice in this world. My song belongs to him. My song belongs to him. Now, I've never preached Psalms 137 like this. I've always preached Psalms 137 from a very interesting uh, way that I've always heard it preached. And, and uh, I saw things just for the first time this week like I've never seen it before. I told Brother Jordan in the office this morning, I said, I really don't know which one of these 14 directions I'm going to end up going today. So, lucky you, I'm going all 14. Not really. And... Uh, so Psalms 137, how shall we sing in a strange land? We hung our harps on the willows, and I preached God only knows how many times. It's time to get your harps off the willows. It's time to sing. It don't matter how strange the land feels. Don't let the land take your praise. And this week, I was reading 137 of Psalms, and I realized why there was so much frustration. Now, uh, if, you, if you notice, it's, it did not just say in Babylon. It said, by the rivers. So these children of God that are in Babylonian captivity have found themselves at the rivers of isolation. They have removed themselves from the noise of the city and they have taken themselves out to a quiet place where they can chill and, 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 and weep. That's what the scripture said. They were weeping as they thought about Zion and they hung their harps on the willows. And for the first time this week I saw something that I had never really seen like this before. I've always believed that they hung their harps up because they had lost their praise. We're weeping, we're upset about Zion, and we're upset that we're in Babylon, so we've hung up our harps, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, it's better to hang them up than to crash them down. If I didn't throw it down on the ground and break it into a thousand pieces, that means I'm not through singing yet. That means I'm not through playing yet. I've hung it up. Oh, my, my. I'm, I'm going to help somebody in here today if you'll let me. Listen, I do believe there's a reason why they hung their harps up. Because these men from Babylon came mocking them. And they started making fun of the song of Zion. They said, why don't you sing us one of your songs? And they hung their harps up on the willows. Why did they do that? Because their song did not belong to Babylon. Their song belonged to the Lord. I am not going to take my harp down and play a song for you. For you to mock me and make fun of my God I'm not going to do it my song belongs to him I didn't break my heart because I plan on playing it but I'm not going to play it for you You need to know something today that the spirit of this world would rather us play something that they can make fun of and they can mock. It's not just about silencing the voice of the church. They want to make fun of the voice of the church. They want to make fun of the righteous people. They want to say that we're crazy because we believe that God created a male and a female to be together as a husband and a wife. They want us to believe that we're crazy. But my song doesn't believe belong to this world my song belongs to him it's the age that we've come to that 
that, 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 that good is evil and evil is good. And we shouldn't be surprised by this. But I'll tell you what troubles me. Woo! Man, I feel something on me this morning. I'll tell you what troubles me is when the church starts to finally give in to the idea that we, 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 we may not always be culturally relevant. And so we're going to make ourselves culturally relevant so that we can pack the house out and give people a place to come and feel like they're just em- em- embraced and doing whatever they want to do. And, and oh God, I- I'm-, I'm trying to keep this as clean as I can right now. But it gets all over me. I- I've-, I've lived in-, in this small community all my life. And uh, we live on the south end now by Pendleton. And uh, they got this deal going on in the park this week. I don't know what it's all about, pride in the park. I don't know who started. I don't know who had anything to do with it. A few weeks ago, homecoming was going on. My, my family and I happened to go to a Pizza King. It's kind of funny because this is the world that I live in. The gym I work out at is right next door to Pizza King. And when I have a choice, I'm always going to go left. And my family, my family and I, Bishop and Mother, and we're, we're, all, we're at, at Pizza King, and we got out, and we got stuck in homecoming traffic. And so we're like, you know, Bishop, I told him I'm, when he dies, I'm going to put it on his headstone. He loved to go around. My dad's like the go-around guy. He'll add 400 miles to a trip so you don't have to sit for 30 minutes. <laughs> he ain't denying it. I'll be like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, oh, there's a 15-minute backup. Dude, I ain't doing that. Like, my Lord, Dad, we're in Louisville. We're supposed to be in Lexington. Yeah, but I ain't sitting still. And so, so we leave Pizza King, and, and we're going the back way. And here come all the homecoming floats. So guess what we're doing? We're sitting on the side of the road, and here come the float. We got the football and the volleyball and the whatever. And then this, this one float comes along. There's nothing but rainbows. And young school kids and staff, and the masks were rainbows, and, and they had pride all over the float. I'm talking about high school kids, pride all over the floats. And I'm like, this has become normal to some, but it ought to make your Holy Ghost It ought to make your Holy Ghost stand up and say, my song don't belong to you. My song belongs to the Lord. My song belongs to the Lord. And don't you think I'm going to take my harp down off of the willow and sing a song for you to mock it? Oh, no, no, no. I still believe that the word is right. I still believe that the word is true. And I'm going to stand on the word of God. Last time I checked, in my Bible, yours may not say the same thing, but last time I checked, pride comes before a fall. I want you to understand something, folks. That rainbow belongs to us. 
That rainbow was given to a righteous man when the when the doors of that ark came open, the door, the one door that ark came open, he stepped off and the Lord said, Behold, I have put my bow in the cloud. That's his bow. That belongs to the righteous. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's time for us to take our song back. It's time to take it back from this world. My song belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. Man. So I, I, man, I want to preach so bad. Uh, I, I, can I just, so you're not mad at me, can I just read something to you out, out of that book I was talking about? Can I read something to you? Now, I don't want nobody getting, getting mad. I don't want nobody getting hurt. I mean, Take your offense shirt off and put your defense. Like, let's get set for the defense of the gospel, okay? Let's, let's do this. So, when I was a kid, there was a saying that said, what don't kill you makes you stronger. Right? right? The spirit of this age says, what don't kill you makes you weaker. It's true. I mean, Lord, if you can't say amen to my preaching, at least say amen to that. That's true. It's like, I mean, I'm, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, uh, I, I died one time, and my dad told me to get up and walk it off. Just being honest with you, it was close. I was bleeding, and the solution was put some dirt in it and get back on the ball field. I'm like, but dad, it hurts. And these were the messages that I got. Now, I don't want nobody getting offended, okay? These were the messages I got. If you lose, you don't get a trophy. something you actually had to do to win I, I read something the other day that was so awesome to me I, I I'm not a I don't I don't watch fighting a lot whatever I, I mean I don't watch hardly anything but uh, there is an Irish fighter named Conor McGregor that fights UFC the dude's tough as nails and he's cocky as can be but he had lost a fight. I don't even know who he was fighting. I, don't, I just read the story of it. And uh, uh, they, they asked him, they said, um, what are you going to do? How are you going to deal with losing? He said, I didn't lose. They said, you did lose. He said, I didn't lose. He said, because even when I lose, it's teaching me how to win. 
He said, I, 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 I didn't lose. He said, I may have lost the fight, but I didn't lose because it's teaching me how to be better next time. And what we have done is we have taken away the trouble of this world. And we have said, oh, no, no, the, the Lord wants to shelter me from trouble. No, he doesn't. The Lord wants to see how quickly you'll give your song away. Some of us have to learn that you don't always win and you don't always get a pat on the back from the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you got to do the right thing when it don't feel good and you got to do the right thing when it's the hard thing. Now, Ming Tzu, which uh, they, they call Mencius, Ming Tzu said this. Now, this was 4th century B.C., okay? When heaven is about to confer a great responsibility to any man, it will exercise his mind with suffering, subject his sinews and bones to hard work, expose his body to hunger, put him to poverty, place obstacles in the paths of his deeds as to stimulate his mind, harden his nature, and improve wherever he is incompetent. That was not Jesus. That was Ming Tzu. That was somebody that lived in an age that you had to fight with the sword that you had hardened yourself. This was a generation of men that didn't get their sword from their father and not have to pay the price for it. This was a generation of people that had to figure out how to make that metal thing work and to refine it in the fire and to beat it till it was thin and to sharpen it until the blade was sharp. Listen, there is something to be said about making this generation learn how to fight on their own. There is nothing wrong with telling your kids you're going to have a prayer life of your own. You're going to live for God on your own. You're going to walk in to the house of God and you're going to love him and worship him. So now, I'm, 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 I'm going to read this to you. I don't want anybody to get the feelings hurt. I know there's probably some folks this affects in here. But in August of 2009, a gentleman by the name of Max Height was three years old. He had his first day in preschool in Charlottesville, Virginia. But before he was allowed to take the first step on his 18-year journey to a college degree... His parents, John and Jane, had to attend a mandatory orientation session where the rules and procedures were explained by Max's teacher. The most important rule, judging by the time spent discussing it, was no nuts. Because of the risk to children with peanut allergies, there was an absolute prohibition on bringing anything containing nuts into the building. Of course, peanuts... Our legumes, not nuts, but some kids have allergies to tree nuts too. So along with the peanuts and peanut butter, all nuts and nut products were banned. Now if you got peanut allergies, I'm not preaching at you. I'm reading a story. <laughs> so to be extra safe, the school also banned anything produced in a factory that processes nuts. So many uh, kinds of dried fruits and other snacks were prohibited too. Uh, as the list of prohibited substance grew and the clock ticked on, Max's dad, John, asked the assembled group of parents what he thought was a helpful question. And I quote, does anyone here have a child with any kind of nut allergy? End quote. At which point, 
The teacher was visibly annoyed with John's questions. She moved rapidly to stop any parent from responding, and she said, I quote, Don't put anyone on the spot. Don't make any parent feel uncomfortable. Regardless of whether anyone in the class is affected, these are the school rules. I'm like, man. I would tell her she's going to be grumpy and it's going to be a while to get a Snickers, but I guess that's out. Look, I'm not making fun of allergies. Understand what I'm saying to you. I want you to walk with me. Peanut allergies were rare among American children up until the mid-1990s. When one study found that only four out of a thousand children under the age of eight had such an allergy, meaning probably Max's entire preschool of about 100 kids, not one person had it. By 2008, according to the same survey, using the same measures, the rate had more than tripled to 14 out of a thousand. Are you all okay? Are you bored? Meaning probably one or two kids in Max's school. Nobody knew why American children were suddenly becoming more allergic to peanuts, but the logical and compassionate reason was obvious. Kids were vulnerable. Protect them from peanuts, peanut products, anything that's been in contact with nuts of any kind. Why not? What's the harm other than inconveniencing some parents preparing lunches, right? But it turns out the harm was severe. And I'm reading this to you. Don't get mad at me. It was later discovered that peanut allergies were surging precisely because parents and teachers had started protecting children from exposure to peanuts back in the 1990s. In February 2015, an authoritative study was published. The LEAP, this, this is L-E-A-P, Learning Early About Peanut Allergy. Study was based on the hypothesis that regular eating of peanut-containing products when started during infancy will elicit a protective immune response instead of an allergic immune reaction. The researchers recruited parents of 640 infants, 4 to 11 months old who were at high risk of developing a peanut allergy because they had severe eczema or had tested positive for another allergy. The researchers told half the parents to follow the standard advice for high-risk kids, which was to avoid exposure to all peanut products. The other half were given a supply of snack made from peanut butter puffed corn and were told to give their kids uh, at least three times a week. The researchers followed all families carefully, and when the children turned five years old, they were tested for allergic reaction. The results were stunning. Among the children who had been protected from the peanut, 17% had developed a peanut allergy. In the group that had been deliberately exposed, only 3% had developed an allergy. As one of the researchers said in the interview, I quote, For decades, uh, allergists have been recommending that young infants avoid consuming allergenic foods such as peanuts to prevent food allergies. Our findings suggest that this advice was incorrect and may have contributed to the rise of the peanut and other food allergies. Why are you talking about that today, Pastor? And why does this make you want to preach? Because I'm afraid that we have created more messes in the lives of our children by what we think we're protecting them from. Oh, my, my, my. See, some of you are still stuck on the fact that I said peanut, I'd be like... I got kids. I, I understand. And if, if I'm around them, I won't eat peanuts in front of them. I, I, I want to be fair. You understand what I'm saying? My point is, there are things that develop over time. Because we've been kept from trouble. Yes. 
Sometimes the trouble that you're going through is ordained of God. Because the problems that you're dealing with, you would not have the character on the other side of this thing if God didn't let you walk through that. Why are your harps on the willows? I want to tell you why. Because we won't always be here and Zion won't always be in trouble. We're coming out of this thing and Jerusalem's going to be restored. That's why my harp is on the willow. I plan on singing a song, but my song belongs to him. Pastor, I wish you would preach more on joy. And we got guys that are self-professed joyologists. What does that mean? They preach nothing but the doctrine of happy. Why are our marriages weak? Why are our families falling apart? Because every time we hit a tough patch, we throw in the towel. And think getting one or two more or three more is going to help them make it better. Sometimes you got to just pull up your big boy pants. I'm, I'm leaving. He's lazy. Man won't work. That's not a marriage problem. That's a protected kid problem. They got a trophy for everything they did. And their mom handed him a trophy and said, Daddy, don't make him get a job. Hey, let me help you today. Get up and get a job and go to work and provide for your family and do something good for our society. Is this okay, Brother Bailey? Is this going to be all right? Look, I don't have any respect for lazy men. Is that all right? You promise? I don't have any respect for lazy men. When your body is capable of providing for your family. The other day, my family and I went to a restaurant. It was our whole group again. If you can't tell, that's usually the meeting place. I mean, look at this specimen, would you? I didn't get this by fasting. Look, we walk into this restaurant. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be about an hour. There were 25 tables open. We're like, oh, well, there's, a, there's a lot of tables. They're like, yeah, we don't have anybody to work. I was like, America. I mean, why in the world? Why? In the world, would you get up and go do something you don't like when you can just sit at home and they'll write you a check and send it to you? Pastor, like, you, 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 you need to get back in the Word. I ain't never walked out of it. Because the Bible said a man who won't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. The Bible said if a man don't work, then a man don't eat. Why are you preaching this on Sunday morning? Because it's jumped over into the church. We want anointings that we did not work for. Now preach, Bishop. If I get out, you know, I'm the pastor of this church, but you're my pastor. I'm going to tell you something. You don't spend your entire high school life 
addicted to sports. And then when, when your time runs out and, 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 and you're not good enough to make it to college, then you decide at that point you want to be a preacher. You don't, you, don't, you don't spend your whole life giving your life to something else, and when that don't work out, then you try ministry. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now, we, 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 maybe I was just raised a little bit different than some folks. But my dad always preached against uh, people playing in organized sports in school, and I, I thought it was kind of silly when I was a kid because I wanted to play. And then I found out the reason why. They don't need you. They don't need you. And, and, and you go play for that school for free, break your leg, and see how bad they needed you. Because next Friday night, they're going to have your replacement back on the field. And you're going to limp for the rest of your life. Now, I'm not saying accidents don't happen, but understand me when I tell you this. You can't play until you're broken and then say, well, that was just the Lord trying to get my attention to be in ministry. He deserves more than that. He deserves my best. I'm not saying if you've given away your life that you shouldn't give it to him. Give him everything you've got left. But if you're 14 years old, I want to tell you, you're probably not going to ever make the NBA. But if you can walk on streets of gold, it'll be worth it all to give your life to Jesus. Now I'm telling you, I ain't touched a basketball in so long I'd be an embarrassment. I got a text the other night during conference. They wanted me to come play ball at Calvary uh, Gym in Indianapolis. I said, no, thank you. <laughs> Brother Carson came up to me. He's like, bro, thanks for showing up. I said, bro, I don't ball anymore. I was like, I would have embarrassed you, and I would have embarrassed me. I don't play ball no more. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If I was still a hooper, And they offered me to play in the NBA right now. I wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. If they told me today that they'd pay me $5 million to throw a football up and down the field with a bunch of men in tights. Just because you put pads on don't make you more of a man. You're wearing tights, boys. <laughs> Brother Harrison... Brother Harrison played college football. I'm sure you look like a man, though, bro, because you still do. <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying to you is they've all lived for that moment, but there's a very small percentage of people that will ever make it to that level. Very, very small. And, and to be quite honest, if you look at the world of golf, we have some people in here that are by far more... Uh, more, more, more able to speak on it than I am. But a lot of the people that make it in the world of golf, professional golfers, they, they weren't raised playing at the Muni's where it was $20 a round. They were raised by very wealthy parents who let them play on the nicest of courses and took care of them and, and, and gave them the best coaching in the world. And now they met and they're like, oh, yeah, they made it on their own. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They had rich parents. That, that took the time. And listen, all, all I'm saying is, I've got a secret for your kids today. And i got a secret for you. You don't have to be rich to do it. 
But I have a way that you can invest in your kids and they will never lose. They'll, they'll never lose. They'll never lose. Because even if their little league team loses, but they're in the house of God on Sunday morning and Sunday night and they're singing in the choir. You cannot lose in the kingdom of God. But you've got to teach your kids. Our song does not belong to Babylon. Our song belongs to him. I know some of y'all are thinking, God, I wish it'd be 12 o'clock right now. Oh. Hey, I came in this house this morning with desperation in my spirit. I know I've been laughing with you. I've been cutting up with you. But there's something in me today that's rising up. Listen to what I'm telling you. It is not just a matter of semantics. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. We're telling our kids right now. Lord Jesus, here I go. God help me. We're telling our kids right now that the difference between us and other believers in this world is just semantics. They baptize their way, we baptize our way. They believe salvation their way, we believe salvation our way. Let's just get along. You know what you're going to do? You're giving them a participation trophy. I'm not just satisfied with my, with my three. I can't speak for yours, but I'm not satisfied with my three just being able to say, no, we believe that we baptize in Jesus' name and you have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved. I'm not satisfied with that. I want my kids to be able to say, that cannot be true because the Scripture says in... You understand what I'm saying? When you can spit out all the Pacer stats, how many three-pointers they've got, don't, t- don't tell me you can't memorize the Scripture. When you can tell me who the starting 11 are in offense and defense for the Colts, how many yards they've passed for, don't tell me. We can't memorize. Here's the difference. When we wake them up in the morning and football's the first thing on their mind, that's what they'll remember. But Deuteronomy 6 said, when they get up in the morning, tell them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Listen, I want our kids to know this. This is our song. It's the song of Zion, and it does not belong to this world. Oh, I'm almost finished, but I got to get this out. I love to be your pastor. I mean that with all my heart. I love it. I thank God for it. Don't get me wrong, there's days that it's, it, it's like anything else you do. There's, there's tough times. But I, there's nowhere I'd rather be. I'm here. I love to be here. I thank God for it. But listen, I want to tell you all something. I can't do in three hours a week what you can do seven days a week. I wish I could. I wish so bad that I could. I wish there was a way that I could speak over your grandkids every single day. I I wish I could speak to your kids every day. I I wish there was a way that I could do that. But I can't do that. And even if you play podcasts over and over in your house, bless your hearts. Listen, it has never been the church's job to disciple our children. 
It is our job to show our children I have no greater priority than the kingdom of God and being in the house of God. I would absolutely be convicted if I had to watch my children walk out of the house on the way to church and I sat at home while they were at church. Hear them in the other room. I, I talk about my kids all the time. I guess Jocelyn's the only one in here. The others are upstairs, right? I talk about my kids all the time because I'm so proud. They're going to make mistakes. I know they will. They'll probably get beat for them. I'm going to do my best to be a good dad. I'm going to tell you, when my girls go in the other room, fire up that piano, Bishop, and they start singing songs of Zion, I'm sitting in there on the sofa in the other living room, and I hear them playing and singing, working on it, figuring it out, singing to the top of their lungs. It don't make me mad. Because that song don't belong to this world. Amen. Mm. God have mercy. Sat down at the table the other night and Grayson started asking me questions about the Godhead. It's like, well, Dad, what would we say if somebody said this? What would we say if somebody said that? You know what? I, I, for some, they might have felt like we were just sitting there over a sandwich or whatever it was at the table. Having conversation. You know what I felt like I was doing? I felt like I was putting armor on. Get that helmet of salvation on, girl. Put it on. Brother Wendell told me this morning, Graceland and Gloria were teaching on prayer in class. Right? He said you did an awesome job, by the way. Listen, I'm I'm not saying this for me. You know, you know what they taught this morning? They taught on prayer, and they taught what, what we taught them in ministry elective class here on Tuesday at 2 o'clock in school. I, I walked out of my office, and I walked over here in this room, and I started teaching them prayer and how to pray and how, how, to, how to print this deal, how to pray. And I watched them. Bless their hearts. She sat there and took me. I know her hand had to be cramping. Gloria's hand had to be cramping. She was writing, she was writing, she was writing. And, 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 and yesterday, Grayson walked up to me. She said, Dad, do you have any of those diagrams you printed out? Said, well, what for, honey? She said, well, me and Gloria's teaching on prayer at class tomorrow. I'm going to get in trouble. I know I am, Bishop. I'm going to get in trouble. That made me want to get a big old pride flag. That's covered in black leather. This has trained up a child in the way it should go. Why does Christian education matter to you, Pastor? Because our song belongs to Him. Y'all stand. I got to get you. I got you. Oh, Lord Jesus. Mm. Matters. What you saturate your brain in 24 hours a day is what's going to come out of you. Mm. 
My wife came home yesterday after the ladies' conference. We sat down on the sofa, and she said, I don't remember what it was. She, she could tell you right now, whatever it was. She said, have you read any news about such and such? I said, no, I haven't seen it. She said, I'm going to try to find it. She got real quiet. I know something's off when she gets real quiet. She got real quiet for about two minutes, and she goes, Woo. I know why I hadn't been reading the news. This is depressing. Yeah. I was like, yeah. But have you, have you ever picked up the newspaper and it said, I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Flip over to another page and it said, I will say of the Lord that he is my strength. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You want to know something that's not depressing? Can I, can I tell you something that's not depressing? Flip on over there to the back of this book and see what happens to the Antichrist and the accuser of the brother. Let me tell you something, Antichrist. You don't get my song. My song belongs to him. And for a thousand years, upon thousands of years, I'm going to sing holy, holy, holy. You don't get my song, and I'm not playing my heart for you. I'm not going to fire up a tune for you. It's the song of the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. I would call an altar call right now, but I don't, I, I don't even know what to say in this room right now. Somebody ought to have your heart set like a flint this morning. Somebody ought to have your heart set. This world's been beckoning me all week. This world's been pulling on me all week. But I made up my mind this morning, my song belongs to him. My song belongs to him. Oh, God. Mm. There's a song when I was a boy that Phillips, Craig, and Dean used to sing. It said, his favorite song of all is the song of the redeemed. Do you know why the enemy wants you to sing for him? Because he wants to mock your redemption. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost sent me on Sunday morning to tell you. You won't always be here in Babylon and Jerusalem's going to be restored. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But John said when he looked up, I, I didn't see an old Jerusalem. He said, I saw a new Jerusalem coming down. It was a restore. It was a new Jerusalem. There was a new power. It won't always be like this. So I'm going to keep on singing my song unto the Lord. If you're here today and you want to give God the best that you could give him, would you just begin to offer that and say, Lord, I reserve my song for you. I reserve my song for you. Lord, if I've got to go through pressure, then so be it. God, if I've got to go through trials, then so be it. But I'm coming out on the other side victorious. Lord, the trouble's not going to kill me. Lord, you hold my days in your hand. You hold my days. Lord, if they destroyed this mortal body, it wasn't them that did it, Lord. My world is in your hands. Uh, 
Ricashondo bosete alabai. You know why the devil hates it when you pray in tongues? Because he don't have a clue what you're saying. He don't have a clue what you're saying. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're saying, this song belongs to you, Lord. My hallelujah belongs.